0: With the US elections in three days and the tail end of a year of political discourse and politics and political fighting in our faces, it's incredibly easy, especially as someone who holds the political beliefs that I hold, to look at the world with grey glasses and a defeated mentality. But I will spend the next however long I can ramble on for, without destroying my vocal cords, trying to persuade my listeners, you guys, and anyone who is hearing this, that the struggle is nowhere near as over as some may lament it to be. Listen, I understand that the US election is an election of the two worst possible candidates, but the lesser evil is not just as bad but is also much better than the fascist uprising that Trump represents. The suspension of Corbyn and the attack on the British left, even under an incompetent and life-threatening right-wing Tory government that is actively engaging in something that can only be described as purposeful class warfare against the most vulnerable in our society and one of the most difficult winters in the 21st century on the horizon, it is very easy... feel defeated and agree with Slavoj Zizek that the dreams we had for this decade, the metaphorical light at the end of the tunnel, was in fact a train heading right towards us. See I agree, yes there is a light at the end of the tunnel and yes it is a train coming towards us but there is also an important thing, there's a safety exit to our sides that we should not be ashamed of taking in fact, dying to the ensuing train is categorically worse than taking refuge in the safety exit to our side, even if the dingy light bulbs of the security office we have to hide in as the train passes by, being nowhere near the liberating beam of light that we will face on the other side. The left has been through worse, and our battle has not ended, and we have to take refuge in this exit for a bit. But it will not end after the 2020 election, regardless of the result or through the ensuing calamity that is British or global politics. Welcome to the Left Wing Propaganda Machine, it's your host Mohamed Hassan and today we're dealing with something that I think has been on the mind of many leftists, especially within Britain regarding the controversy of Jeremy Corbyn, especially over the past year with all the calamity that we've ensued with and especially politically in the US with Bernie Sanders and all the problems that the Democratic Party failed to learn from in 2016 and proposing that we continue to build back. Yes, those are our struggles that we are currently facing. And of course, with that, the tandem that is the amazing dual partner of liberal democracy, the rise of fascism, because, hey, that is just something we have to deal with in 2020. Welcome to this podcast. Um, that was a very emotional introduction with a lot of big things that, beg a lot of questions, that beg a lot of justifications, and that's exactly what I'm here to talk about today, right? Today, we're going to get into why the left has been through worst, why you should continue struggling, and why the fight for a better world for all is nowhere near over, right? We will continue to struggle, even through this, and I hope that through this podcast episode, not only can I convince you guys, but hopefully I can convince myself Because I would be lying if I said I did not feel defeated. After the fall of the 2019 general elections in the Labour heartlands and the complete destruction of the Corbyn politics that would have substantially improved politics, I have no doubt about that. And the rise of fascism, the BLM protests, the COVID pandemic, the fall of Bernie Sanders and the slightly unacceptable fact that we have to deal with either joe biden or donald trump for another four years of course all these things have made me feel very pessimistic at times about politics and you you might have realized that these past couple of podcast episodes i've kind of strayed away from any big political things that's been kind of purposeful And the reason why I took such a long break is because I've been trying to have some form of escapism. I've gone much more philosophical with these abstract ideas that are, even though they're just as important, I totally respect the abstract things within philosophy. Arguably not abstract, you know, because the basic epistemology builds a whole world, blah, 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 all those things. Look, I, of course, had to kind of leave politics for a bit and engage with something that was a bit more escapist. I was, of course up to date with everything and keeping intact just by the nature of my interests and my subjects but yes it has been a very pessimistic couple of months and it does not look much much better but there is the safety exit and today we're talking about that safety exit because we're in a tunnel that metaphor for me is a perfect metaphor of politics There is a light at the end of the tunnel and the light is either two things. It's either freedom, that liberating beam of light that I talked about, or it's a train coming at us, right? That's democracy. That's how democracy works. But democracy also has safety exits. It has dingy security offices that we can hide ourselves in that we, of course, eventually have to come out because the dingy security office can't handle all of our needs within that security office. And we, of course, have to sometimes leave, but not always, I mean, we won't always find that leaving the security office and the promised light is that liberating beam of light, right? It's not that freedom that we expect it to be. Sometimes it is a disastrous train wreck coming towards us. Sometimes it is that fascism that we have to fight against. And we are dealing with fascism. There is no hyperbole when I say that Donald Trump is a fascist. He might not be a Nazi because there are a bit more criteria that you have to face, but he's definitely a fascist. American fascism is on the rise and the left globally and within America have to unite against it. So today, hopefully I can make myself feel a little less pessimistic, a bit more optimistic about the problems of our world and how the left is going to deal with them. I also have a water bottle with me so that I don't die of thirst because... Last episode, by like the 35 minute mark, I was coughing like crazy. Like my throat had gone insanely terrible. So I bought myself, well, my mom bought it for me. That's a lie, actually. My mom got me this blank, non-branded, um, like container, which is cool. And this is, of course, all a distraction from politics. (laughs) But no, I have water with me. So this might be a longer episode if I can survive. But hey, let's get into it. So, the first thing I want to deal with straight off the bat, the lesser evil argument. Okay, the lesser evil argument, everyone's heard it. Everyone has heard the lesser evil argument. And if you haven't heard it, it's in regards to the US election, right? And it's going to be in regards to the future 2024 or 2025 uh, British election. 2024, I believe. Uh, Is it 2024? 2025, I believe it is. It's five years. Yeah, it's five years in the UK. The 2025 general election that uh, is going to uh, that is uh, going to happen and there will be a less evil argument that comes about then I'm sure of it I prophesize it in fact Uh, which is actually weird because that election is going to be happening after I finish university so I wonder how much a university course in philosophy hopefully will uh, change my politics let's see how this uh, how this podcast stands up then let's see if we have like over 100 episodes by then hopefully. I mean, I, I want to see that. But anyway, enough um, thinking about that liberating beam of light at the end of the tunnel in the future. Let's talk about the lesser evil argument. The lesser evil argument, very simple. There's it, nothing philosophically advanced about it. There's no innate moral reasoning or justifications that underlie it, that we have to explain in a massive depth. There's no Kantian doctrine or Aristotelian eudaimonia underlying it. It's very, very simple. The lesser evil argument goes like this. You have two options in this democracy or in this democratic election. You have one option that is really shit. It's terrible. It's it's really bad, guys. It's really it's really bad. Okay, it's it's really really bad. Like, do I have to get into why Trump is really, really bad? Um hopefully if you're watching this, we uh will um you know you will understand that Trump is a bit of a cunt, to put it lightly, just a tiny bit, it's a tiny bit of a cunt, tiny bit of cunt. That's a lie. He's a massive cunt, massive cunt, massive dickhead, and he needs to be taken out of politics. But unfortunately, the guy running against him is Joe Biden. Yes. Alleged rapist. Yes, a racist. Yes, not a very good guy either. And this is not to at any way undermine or kind of dismiss the problems of racism and sexual assault But Biden definitely has. OK, he definitely has them. He's a terrible human being and morally repugnant. I understand all these things and we have to understand that. OK, but he is so much better than Trump oh god he's not just better than trump he's so much better than trump okay trump is that bad sometimes i think that we kind of forget how bad trump is right sometimes i feel where like we get the, not even just his rhetoric because some people say oh it's his rhetoric no his economic policies led to 74 percent of americans working paycheck to paycheck right if 74 percent of americans got a random 400 bill they would be like they would be like Unable to buy it, it would probably lead into bankruptcy. He was the administrative officer over in America, where if you broke your arm, you could become bankrupt. You could literally lose your job, lose your home if you broke your arm because of the medical finances and the cuts that he provided to social services. Right? He destroyed social services. He incredibly uh, create he created incredible amounts of inequality and continued to foster them. This bullshit about this lowest unemployment rate is absolute idiocy when you understand that it's not just about employment rate that matters. The dignity and the amount of substance that these people were living on was near nothing. Trump destroyed America and is continuing to destroy it, not only domestically, but globally as well. And Biden is better in these aspects. When it comes to issues like global warming, it's not even a fair battle. Biden is much better because even though Biden is unwilling to sometimes take that very necessary step towards things like the green new deal and truly push us towards a sustainable um energy and push us towards a world in which we are fully moved away from fossil fuels and fossil fuels and getting closer and closer to a world where we won't ensue in a three degree of rise hellhole that will destroy this world literally destroy this world and its natural processes right killing millions even billions of people and putting their lives in danger right even though he's not able to do that right he goes much further much 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 further than donald trump who outwardly denies the problem of global warming by going to a city and saying hey hey hey, look it's snowing so global warming can't be a thing because everybody knows that when it snows right when when it's cold outside global warming can't be a thing what what global warming obviously means that snow can never exist anymore because that's in all the scientific journals and geographical papers that have been (sighs) relieved you see what i mean even just on that issue of global warming that single issue biden is so much better Biden is so much better just on that one issue alone would force me to vote for him. That's ignoring all the other things that would be dramatically better for a Biden win of the presidency a senate controlled by the democrats a house controlled by the democrats is incredibly better for women's rights for lgbtq plus rights for black people's rights and other minorities within the us than any republican-led house or senate just look at what the republicans and the house and the senate have done in the past three years right the past four years sorry with the repealing of abortion rights in certain states right with the threat Of black people's livelihoods being a consistent thing within millions of black people's lives in America? The Republicans don't care about anything except protecting capital. And I know Biden also cares a lot about protecting capital, but he is a much better choice than Trump. Listen, let me explain to you guys liberal democracy. Liberal democracy is incredibly flawed, especially when co-opted with laissez-faire capitalism or a capitalist mode of production. And I'll explain to you why, because this is what happens in a liberal democracy where liberals who run it are much more interested in providing and keeping the interests of the capitalists and the rich people and the bourgeois intact than actually providing the people with a flourishing world to live in. This is what happens. You get a liberal democracy that is usually formed through some court, sort of conflict, some sort of war, and then after that, people are like, hey, this is a very generalized thing, by the way, I'm not going to go into incredibly historical uh, precedent and not like, go into facts and figures, but this is like a general story, a general gist of liberal democracy. You get a big war, right? You get, a, you get a big war and people, the war ends and people are like, hey, we don't want to go to war anymore, let's do this thing called democracy, like the Greek people did, but let's just ignore the fact that Greek people didn't let women Slaves do it. I mean, we, we did it for a bit, but like, no, black people and you know, women can vote too. Hey, 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 hey. Let's not look too bad at the faults of liberal democracy. We'll get onto that in a minute. You know, we don't want to fight a war anymore. Let, let's sign this treaty. Hey, hey, let's sign this treaty, right? Everyone's gonna be friends. If you got a disagreement, you gotta do it through politics. You gotta talk it out. You gotta sit down. And you gotta be like, "Hey, man, I disagree with you." And they're like, "Hey, man, I disagree with you." And sometimes you'll be like, "Hey, man, I agree with you." And they'll be like, "Hey, dude, I agree with you too." Let's make out. That's of course my fan fiction version, but the general gist is there, right? And then. But, but for some reason right economically we kind of get this thing called a crash or a recession that happens and people are realizing wait a minute, wait wait, hold up a second right this democracy thing it's not wor- it's, it's not working for me because no matter who gets elected right in this liberal democracy right you know where people argue but they're all the same. they just all hold the interests of the capitalist and none of them, right, are truly creating any economic reform or revolutionary action that is giving the people power. What? Well, what's going on? I thought this liberal democracy thing was great. I thought everyone loves democracy. Why does the, why does the um, economy keep on crashing? Why do millions and billions of people live in such destitute poverty that causes them to literally die in many cases or live in cases that are so terrible that no human would ever want that in in, in even their worst enemies in a lot of cases why does this keep on happening and then (laughs) then the fascists come and the fascists are like hey 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 you want to know why the economy is bad it is the jews and and the minorities and then people who are disenfranchised by politics are like hmm hmm you know that makes sense Because these people here who say they care about us are clearly lying to us and the mainstream media is with them. So the mainstream media is also lying to them. Oh, and all intelligence here and the universities and all these academic researchers are also on their side. This liberal establishment seems to not be working for me hmm, let's agree with them and blame it on the minorities and the people who are bad. Of course, you also get leftists who are like, hey, it's a capitalist system that is oppressing the people, we need to get rid of it. And people are like, you know, that's a good idea. And I agree with those leftists. But the big thing, the big thing is those fascists who come in and blame it on the Jews, who blame it on the minorities, who blame it on people that cause divisions within the country. Right, that the liberal democracy just can't hold. Look at the history of liberal democracy, this happens all the time. A rising tide of conservatism that is essentially just fascism painted in a new color, right, comes about every couple of decades, right? And then what has to happen is the left has two options, right? The left has two options in these instances either fight both the fascists and the liberals, which didn't work out in Germany by the way, um, <laughs> look at how that went, you know, the communists definitely should have stuck to their principles and not te- uh, teamed up with the Weimar government and defeat the fascists, I mean, like that, that would have been very good, I'm being sarcastic if you can't tell, <laughs> or we can side with the liberals to ensure that fascism doesn't overtake the country, right, And this is largely a Eurocentric view, I will agree with this, but this is the democracies that we're dealing with, right? And today, we have to, unfortunately, side with the liberals, right? We just have to. Because I argue, and I don't think there is, I don't think many people can disagree with me, there's no leftist organisation, well, at least a strong leftist organisation, that would actually be able to cause a revolution. Yes, the conditions for a revolution are here. We have massive class Um, warfare going on between the very rich and the very poor inequalities at levels seen similar to before pardon me drinking water causes you to burp apparently i never knew that Um, (laughs) uh, rising inequalities on the level of the pre-french revolution times right and we have civil unrest on an unprecedented scale of course we do right but at the same time We just don't have the organization, the leftist infrastructure in order. Wow, water really does make you burp. What the hell? (laughs) We just don't have the leftist infrastructure. (laughs) I'm such an unserious human being. Anyway, we just don't have the leftist infrastructure to get to that position. I'm sorry, but the socialist revolution is not going to happen. Today, at least. It's going to happen once. It will. Okay, I I promise you guys. Relax, chill. It's going to happen. Right? I'm still very sceptical about how it happened because of two main things. Right, I totally agree with the abolishment of the capitalist form, abolishment of the commodity form, abolishment of the um, bourgeois owning the means of production and seizing the means of production. Those are things that are fundamentally a part of my political philosophy and I totally agree with them. The thing is, one, global capitalism is a system that many of us, including Marx back in the 1800s, underestimated. Right? It's not just physical, it's also mental. The scale of it is unprecedented, and the level of it is incredible. Right? Even if We somehow get leftist governments into the UK, into England, into France and Germany, for example, which is an incredibly massive feat on its own that we have to steadily work towards. How the fuck, right, do we fight China, which is clearly capitalist. They're not a communist country at all. How do you defeat Russia? Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, and their incredible stronghold on oil and natural resources that literally run and fuel the entire society. We don't have the Green New Deal yet. We're nowhere near to it. Our society runs on fossil fuels, okay? And yes, it's destroying our um, world, but it's a fact of the matter that we have to accept. Or a matter of fact, whatever. The grammar doesn't matter right now. <laughs> we don't have that leftist infrastructure to get to that point. Like, and we don't have the leftist infrastructure to even get in leftist politicians right now. Yes, there are no leftist politicians right now, but we've been in worse positions. Right, Jeremy Corbyn might have been suspended, but he lived through the Thatcher years, where the left was absolutely destroyed. The left had nothing in the Thatcher years. In fact, we not only had nothing, we only had no representation, we actively had to fight against something that was the antithesis to us, right? Thatcherism and adopted Thatcherism economic policies post-Thatcher by Tony Blair, by the austerity uh, conservatives, by Boris Johnson, are con- actively against all of our principles. And we are continuing to fire that. And Jeremy Corbyn has been through the Iraq war period. That was a terrible, a terrible thing. Um, Navarro Media, um, Aaron Bastani, said an amazing thing, right? Yes, Jeremy Corbyn has been suspended. But this is not the darkest day of Labour. The Iraq war was a lot worse. There are people, as he says, right, who are still being born or still growing up with deformities, with absolutely destroyed countries because of the consequences of lies in the sea from that Labour government in 2003. That was a lot darker than the suspension of Jeremy Corbyn. I'll tell you that. And Jeremy Corbyn is going to continue fighting. Okay, listen, the lesser evil argument is imperative to a democracy we have to understand that fascism is is, is, is is just so much worse for everybody than a pseudo-liberal government that is going to implement some social welfare programs and going to have another economic recession in a couple of years that will affect the poorest obviously i understand all these things right Biden and Keir Starmer might be terrible. They might be bad, okay? They might be very, very, very bad. But we have to understand that they are much better than the other option, right? And the fight against fascism takes precedent overall. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't... buddy or busters or people who are throwing away their Labour membership cards need to understand something, right? Dominic Cummings running essentially running the country is a lot worse than keir starmer and labor running the country by a massive amount we are not going to be able in the midst of a fucking pandemic start a new party people right now don't care about seizing the means of production. You want to know what people right now care about? And I know this because my mom works at minimum wage. She cares about putting food on the table so that I can survive the upcoming winter holidays because I'm on free school meals and I won't be able to get vouchers for it. She's worried about how she can protect herself in the upcoming weeks where she has to go and help people who are dealing with disabilities, mental health issues, incredibly uh, detrimental addictions that are all as a product of the system that we live in, of course, but she's dealing with how she can help those people. Seizing the means of production isn't even in her mind. Yes, of course, she doesn't like the fact that there isn't going to be a socialist government like led by Jeremy Corbyn. She totally understands that. I'm not saying that my mom's a communist or anything, but that's the normal person that we have to reach out to, right? My parents Um, my dad is not thinking about how we can start a revolution right now he's thinking about how he can get employed so that he can continue to do his science engineering job in a in a construction economy that has completely been destroyed by the covid crisis people are dealing with incredibly big things and yes dismantling capitalism is a problem that we have to deal with but I'm not blaming anybody for putting food on the table for their children and their family before a fucking revolution that kids on Reddit are ranting about. God, sometimes when I'm speaking to leftists my age, we lose all ability to be pragmatic. People will say, bah, this is just another neoliberal government that's going to do nothing to change the world. Yes, you're right. Well done. Cookie points, huh? You get your cookies and you get your brownie points for staying principled to your Marxist Leninist fucking text. Yes, Lenin wouldn't be proud of us right now. Boo fucking who? But there are more people not homeless. There will be more people surviving. There will be more people not dying because of the products of a terrible authoritarian regime. Listen, I understand that where we are at right now is not very positive. Okay? It's not the best place to be in right now. I totally understand that. but The left has been in worse positions, right? The left has been in much worse positions. And that's what you have to take from this. If you don't take anything else, I hope that you're not as hopeless. Because the left has dealt with a lot worse. The fall of the USSR and the branding of the left as authoritarian. And the fact that Bernie, holy shit, Bernie Sanders was able to get second, Right? In a democratic national nomination in America. Do people understand that? America, someone who explicitly called himself a socialist, someone who explicitly ran on not socialist policies, yes, social democratic policies, very leftist social democratic policies such as free healthcare that would have been possibly one of the most left-wing free healthcare programs in the world, right, on the principles and the goals that it wants to achieve, in action would that have happened we don't know but that's what he was running on at least right someone who was running on these very left like far left-wing of america communism in america essentially is what they would call him right like and they, and they of course do right people like alexander Castillo cortez right people like the justice democrats right running like ilhan omar like the progressive wing of the democrats right pushing forward America, and especially within the youth, towards a much more progressive and much more better America, right? These people did so much in the in the past year, radicalizing and ensuring that millions of Americans, millions of Americans voted for Bernie Sanders. And yes, they're going to vote for Biden because it would just be stupid to vote for uh, Bernie and split the vote. I mean, like, that's just an incredibly dumb thing to do, even if you believe it to be right, the more principled thing to do. Principle right now doesn't matter. Your moral principles doesn't matter, right? You're acting like Kant when it comes to lying. Because Kant has this very stupid view on lying. And this is very analogous to it. Kant says you should never, ever lie. Even if it means that someone comes to your house, right, with a gun and says, hey, where is your friend? I want to uh, kill them. Uh, Apparently, you have to tell the truth because lying is bad, right? I'm pretty sure we all understand That lying in that situation, I don't know where my friend is, is a uh, much better situation than telling them where they are and your friend dying, right? Right, it's a much, much better situation. The same thing here, right? Going against your socialist principles or your Leninist principles or your anarcho-communist principles to vote for Biden, yes, it's going to hurt. I'm sorry, your morals have been kind of disemboweled or disenfranchised in some sense here it's the same thing as the kant problem right you have to lie sometimes to save the people who you love the same reason we have to vote for people we don't agree with on everything to save the people we love and to protect protect the interests of the country no one told me water makes you burp okay like i know this is this is a serious episode but nobody told me that i i i, thought, I was like oh i'm going to drink some water it's going to prevent me from having a dry throat but apparently I'm, I'm burping now. Like, there's a, it's a whole new problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, I mean, that's the lesser of two evils, right? My burps are a lot better than my coughing fits. I'll admit that, right? They might sound a bit disgusting. I'm not sure if they uh, come up on the podcast episode. I don't re-listen really to these things. I just freestyle them off the dome because I'm a legend, okay? But that's a lesser of two evils. My mini burps, right, are much better than my tired-ass throat and the coughing fit, Okay? So I'm not going to throw away my water so that I don't have a burp just so I have a coughing fit. Like, that's stupid. Watch me still have a coughing fit, though. And then everyone will be like, haha, see, that's the lesson 2E was working amazingly there, isn't it? Don't worry, I'll edit it out. You guys will never know whether I had a coughing fit or not. <laughs> but in all seriousness, guys, in all, all seriousness, this is not the end of the left. Noam Chomsky says something very good. I know talked talk about Noam Chomsky and lot on this podcast because it's like just the easiest leftist to know about. And plus my philosophy teacher really likes him. So he was like pushed onto me. I don't know, whatever. He says that the struggle from the left has always been that, a struggle. Whether we get our election or not, whether we get our candidate into office, the struggle doesn't end. What do you think that electing Bernie Sanders in was going to be the end of capitalism? Are you insane? We had new labor, well, the old new labor, in the post-war um, government. I don't know why there was a massive spike in uh, audio there. Whatever. I'm sorry for breaking your ears. But <laughs> but um, we had the old new Labour that implemented very radical, at the time, very radical social democratic policies, right? That transformed the UK and still have an impacting legacy today, right? Bernie could have done that, right? We had a new deal back in the 1930s. Those things did not end the capitalism mode of production, right? The capitalist world of production ending and truly getting that world that you want to live in, that people can thrive in, is a long way ahead. Yes, unfortunately, we didn't get to experience our childhood in this amazing socialist world, this amazing communist world, this amazing anarchist world, whatever you are. right? I apologize, you didn't get to do that. I definitely didn't. I'm at the end of my childhood. I'm going to be 18 in January, which means that my dream of my 18th birthday being the end of the revolution is not going to come true. But hell, even if we were in a socialist world right now, do you think all the problems of the universe would just disappear? Sometimes this reductionist kind of thinking is just unhelpful because you narrow in on one tiny, teeny thing that is very unpragmatic in certain cases and very unrealistic. Look, the global capitalist mode of production is incredibly large, and right now, what's going up against it? Some small leftist organizations that can be dismantled within a couple of weeks through CIA covert operations or whatever. Look, the battle is going to be grassroots. And it's going to start at the grassroots. And it's going to get bigger and bigger. But that shit takes time, guys. That shit takes a lot longer than one election cycle. Okay? It takes a lot longer than a decade. It takes a lot longer than a lifetime. Marx's entire life, he tried to be a revolutionary. And he tried to lift the people up. But something about Marx... He died not being very well known. And yet, look how influential his politics is now. Hundreds of years later, people are still picking up Das Kapital. I have Das Kapital in front of me. I've never fucking read it because look at it, Jesus Christ. It's basically a virtue signal. I've read abstracts, I've read a couple pages, but the whole of Das Kapital, holy shit, no, I'm not reading that. That's like 3,000 pages, what the fuck? (laughs) But look at the influence he's had on me, on millions, billions of people. Some of those have been bad influences. Yes, right? The perversion of Marxist doctrine by the USSR, by by Mao's China, by communists in the 20th century. Yes, it was terrible for the left. But it's also been very helpful in looking at the inequalities of the world. Social Democrats, right? The rise of social democracy in the Nor- in the Norwegian like, led countries, right? The Norwegian, in the Nordic countries, the Norwegian led countries. Norway just owns all of those countries. That- that's basically true. They're basically all the same. It's just Norway 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. They're all the same country, right? But what's the difference between Finland and Norway, right? Just their flag? Come on, get out of here. <laughs> but no, seriously, okay? We have to understand that the impact of Marx didn't happen instantly. Marx didn't write the Communist Manifesto and everyone was like, oh my God. Yeah, let's just start, let's just start a revolution. No, he had to fight for it. He had to battle for it. And even after he died, the battle continued. The battle doesn't end with Jeremy Corbyn being suspended. The battle doesn't end with Bernie Sanders being a senator for the rest of his life and not being able to run for president. Because, come on, let's be realistic. He's way too old to run in 2022, okay? We understand that. But at the same time, at the very, very, very same time, we also have to understand something. Yes, it's despair. And yes, it looks depressing. But we go forward. We struggle. I know Chomsky said the struggle carries on. And even though I'm burping like a madman, that's true. Right? That is true. Yes, I did get very good at holding in my burps. That's why you didn't hear it. I'm a legend in the making. I told you guys. <laughs> but look, I want you guys to come out of this podcast knowing something. Knowing that I, at least stand there with you and i'm sympathetic to your cause i understand that you want the best for the world and that is admirable in itself and i'm only 17 i still have the rest of my life to go ahead of me and a lot of young people do our lives aren't over we're going to continue fighting fighting things like global warming fighting things like wars across the world fighting things like global inequality we know this we signed up for this when we first decided to pick this side of politics and if all you did it was for the aesthetic all you did it was for the inevitable revolution i'm sorry you've joined the wrong crew go be a centrist because all you'll end up doing is nothing just being a pawn within this political game i'm sick of the political game that's why i started this podcast to stop engaging with it to actually get some rhetoric going on in the world and not just bullshit the world is going to get better. I strongly believe in that. But sometimes we're going to have to sit in the safety exit. Sometimes we're going to have to deal with the terrible security room. That's true. I understand that. But it's much better. It's fucking a lot better than the train that's going to hit us. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Left Wing Propaganda Machine. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys are going to continue being an amazing human being. Listening to critical thinking from a 17 year old black kid in his room. Also wish me luck. I'm getting my university um, application stuff coming back these next couple of months. Hopefully, I'll uh, get in to the university I want to. Um, But yeah, wish me luck. That would be great. If I get into my university that I want to, the revolution will happen. So uh, hopefully, you know, that's able to, that's possible. But uh, I just want you guys to know that, yes, it's dark times, but the left has been through worse. And we will win. I firmly believe that. Thank you for listening. It's been Mohammed Hassan. A pleasure to speak to you guys. See you guys later.